0: And welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz. We are here to talk with you about the paranormal, as we are most Saturday nights. I always say each and every, but um, we were off last week because I was out at an event. I was in Weymouth at the uh, Emory Estate, which was my first time ever investigating there. And I have to say, it did not disappoint. Oh, I'm glad you had a good time. First of all, I had a great chat with Christy and Rick, who is the gentleman who helps her run events over there. And we discussed the way... Because for those of you who don't know, when the Oliver Estate first started having paranormal investigations, it was being run by somebody different than Christy. And I don't know that, like, the renovations had already started at that point. I think they were still trying to get enough money going to be able to start doing things like, you know, just putting it in the account, socking it away, waiting until they had the money to start doing things. But when she came in and they started doing very uh, frequent pro nights and amateur nights and letting groups in and all that, I mean, she went in all in and dedicated herself to that and was able to have this great big revitalization of the Oliver estate. And now it's, It's kind, I mean, I don't think it'll ever be done. I think there's always going to be a bunch of stuff that they can do, but they are at a place where they're comfortable and they don't need to do some major, major work. So she does have the time in her schedule now to look into doing the same thing for other places. And it just so happened that the Emory estate came across her desk and it was the perfect fit. So I wrote an article about this at WBSM.com and on the app. If, uh, if you want to read it, but I found this to be completely different than any other investigation that I've done. That's saying something. Uh, well, because here's here's what it is. The, most other places that we go to, especially here in New England, we're dealing with spirits who died 100, <laughs> 200, sometimes 300 years ago. And you, you've been there. You've done it. Yep. You've, you've had to go through some of these things where you're explaining like... Uh, see the color red over there. You can't say, see that flashing red light. Yes. Somebody might not know what that means. Or, you know, can you touch that flashlight? It's more like, you know, see that c- candle over there? Can you like touch that? C-? You don't have to call the flashlight a candle because you're dealing with concepts that, that people don't understand because they're not from this era. At the Emory Estate, you're dealing with the last remaining Emory who lived in that house, passed away in 2010. So okay. you're you're dealing with people who are, you know, the last 20 30 years have passed away the you know the different people that lived in the house but you're dealing with people who have knowledge of the type of equipment that we're using and what christy has found is that by going in there and doing this on a regular basis the spirits have actually learned about the paranormal investigation too and i think it's because they have a curiosity for it and i think it's because they have they were very much like who is this this weird person with a southern accent coming into our house and you know, telling us that she's going to, you know, take care of our place and all that. And I think it took a little while for them to get used to her. But then once they did, they realized how she's trying to help and now they want to help. And so you're having spirits that actually know you don't have to mess around. You can just get right in there and have a conversation as if they're in the room with you.
1: They're already, shall we say, on
0: the ball. And what's, what's, what's probably the most fascinating thing about it is they, they don't, seem to have restrictions the same way that other spirits might have. And I, I have a theory on why this might be. So they're definitely stronger entities. There's a stronger presence when they were around. And, and I'll relate some stories as to why I feel that way. But it's there's more power to them. And, and my thinking is that because they're more recent passings, they don't need as much energy to manifest and well, manipulate things. There's
1: a thing in science called entropy. Right. Okay. So that's where you're going. It,
0: which would which would explain right. why we don't have caveman ghosts
1: walking right. around. Or yeah, ghosts of quote unquote dinosaurs or what
0: And why there. you know if you're going to a place that's from the colonial era and you're saying hey can you do this like there's they're limited in what they can do, uh, but I think that there's still a, still a very raw power there. So if you think about it, like the house was built in 1903. So if you're dealing with spirits that lived in that house throughout this time, so- You could say it's a modern era, relatively modern. But so the Emory's moved in in 1916, I believe. And so you're, you're really looking at only about 106 years of people that were living there that were still connected to the place. And if that's the case, then you're dealing with relatively fresh deaths- so if somebody lived there when they, you know, so people might have started passing away that had lived there, maybe in the twenties, thirties, even the nineteen forties, you know. So you're dealing with people who haven't been gone for a long time, and you're dealing with people who. Well, given modern era and
1: how people live longer, that's still considered within living memory.
0: Right. I don't. I don't know how old these folks were when they moved in. Um, you know, Christy has all of the historical information, but and also the people who lived there were evangelical. Okay. They were, they were part of the Billy Graham crusades. And in fact, Billy Graham visited the house many times. They have a room that they call the Billy Graham room where they have, I guess, some memorabilia and stuff, but Billy Graham only passed away a couple of years ago.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So if he's there, if he's connected, there is, if his energy is connected there at all, that's relatively fresh. So it's, it's fascinating to see how there's that difference. And it was So, you know, I had heard all the stories from Christy and I said, well, hopefully it'll be active the night that we go. And she's like, no, you don't understand. Like it's always active. So I said, okay, well, we'll, you know, we'll see. Sometimes, you know, maybe I'm the, maybe I'm the dud that causes it not to be so active. I don't know. So as we, we walked in and of course is you've been there with me right at the start of these things. There's all the running around that's got to be done. Uh, this was a smaller group, so I, you know, I was, and it's it was a small group. It was supposed to be, at one point, it was like 20-something people. That kind of whittled down from people that couldn't make it. Then we had a bunch of people that were sick the day of. We had some people that were like, I don't know if I have COVID or not. I was like, eh, nah, nah, yeah, we'll yeah. do this one again. And so it turned into, we only had like 14 people. And... When I got there, you know, I'm putting the salad together, putting the drinks in the fridge, ordering the pizza, all that kind of stuff. And they were taking – they were sitting in the other room and watching some video of some other investigations that had happened there. And so uh, it's probably – you know, we got there at 6 o'clock. It's probably like 6.45, 7 o'clock. We say, okay, we're going to take the tour. Chrissy's going to lead us around and tell us about the history of each room, and she's going to tell us about some of the activity. And we go upstairs first. And she starts us down in this far bedroom. And if you've never seen the house, uh, there's photos of it in the story. But have you ever seen Mount Vernon, George Washington's house? Yeah. It's an exact replica of Mount Vernon. Okay. That's the people who built it. The Emery's didn't build it. They bought it from the family that built it. But the people that built it wanted it to look like Mount Vernon. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like they they made a replica. And so we go into the far bedroom. And I'm standing there just like standing there listening to Christy tell the story. And I'm leaning against the wall over by the door frame because I'm trying to stay back so everybody else can be closer. And because the rooms are decent size, but they're not huge. And so I'm like leaning against it. And I felt two pokes in my arm, like something was trying to get my attention. And I'm like, oh, somebody's trying to come into the door. Oh, oh, there's nobody there. Yeah. So I said, "Okay, here we go. This is starting off white, right? She takes us all through and shows us. And this place has like a lot of different rooms, closets, different places. It has uh um I forget the name of it, but it was like a it was like a it was like a porch on the second floor, but it's it's a room. But they would treat it as like a porch, like they would sit on it. And then on the third floor, over that they have an outdoor. Like you would walk out this weird window and you would have to like climb out this window, but you would go and sit out on it. And um, although I didn't go out on it because it seemed kind of spongy. And I, I was like, mm, I'm probably the heaviest guy here. I don't need to go out onto that thing. And then there's a cupola. So you can go up into the cupola. And when you're up there, you have a perfect view of Boston Harbor and the Boston skyline. Mm-hmm. And at night, it was just amazing. I'll show you the photos later on my phone. And as we were going through the tour, you know, I was I was more focused on what Christy was saying than if there was anything going on. So we start the investigation We go down to the basement As you know, I like to start in the basement Yep Get a feel for what's going on It's listen. usually
1: where I'm stuck
0: And <laughs> I like to listen to all the noises That the Because most of the noises in a house Come from the basement So let's kind of get used to when yep. The boiler goes off Or this happens The heater
1: and the water Yeah
0: And so we Sat there And after a few moments I said, all right I'm going to do the old Shave and a haircut trick And I do the Dun 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 and then immediately it comes back from in the same room, but everybody's like where I am across from me though, like right away. And it only happened once. I tried it a couple other times and it only did it that one time, but we got you know more interaction as, as things kept going on. So we ended up at one point, we are on the third floor in the room over where I was poked in the arm. And in that room, there's a closet. And Christy was saying how in the closet, people will feel a pressure on their shoulder. Like somebody has a hand on their shoulder and they're leaning on their shoulder. And so uh, I walked in and some some ladies who come to a lot of our events, they were in there. And they said, oh, we're, we're just watching this closet because there's supposed to be something in there. They're like, Tim, get in the closet. So, okay. So I go in the closet and I'm standing there. And I'm like, if you are here, you know, feel free to... Put your hand on me like it's okay. I don't mind. And so I started to feel the pressure on my right shoulder, something, and it felt like a hand pushing down like it was leaning on me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, it's it's kind of weird that this thing is leaning on me. And then I just so happened to look because there's motion sensors in th- that are supposed to set off if if something's moving. And I'm holding still except for my shoulder drooping, so it's not really going off. But then, so I just happened to look down to look at the sensor to see if it's going to come on, like if I move toward it. And I happen to see against it, there's a cane in there. And I don't know if this cane is like related to the room or if somebody just put it in there, but it starts to like work its way into my head. I'm like, this person is leaning on me because they must have a physical impairment. Right. And so they're, they're using me as a crutch. And I was like, huh. And I said, well, you know, you can. You're know, you kind of pushing one shoulder down more than the other. Can you push my other shoulder too? Can you put your other hand on my other shoulder? And the hand goes on my other shoulder. And so now I've got a balanced pressure across my two shoulders. And so I'm just standing there. And I'm like, hey, I'm feeling this on both. And as I'm standing there, my arms are down by my side. Suddenly my arms start moving in toward the center of my body to the point where they're pretty much touching. Whatever it was... Wrapped its arms around me from behind, uh, like in a bear hug, and I was like, "Oh, huh, okay." Like I'm feeling this now, and I said, uh, "Well, if you're here, I said, if you're, um, if that's you, like wrapping yourself around me, I, I, I've been having some back troubles. Could you maybe crack my back?" And I get lifted backwards, and I come back forward, and I was like, "Okay." can you do that again? So I know that it was really you doing it and not, not just my imagination. And I get leaned back again. So it's like, okay, this thing is really happening. And it stayed that way for a few minutes to the point where like, I couldn't move my arms out. And I finally had to ask for it to let go of its grip on me so that I could relax. And then when I asked immediately, it just felt like it was released. And then every person that went into that closet, had it happened to them after that, there was one woman who was actually getting like really pulled backwards, but everybody was having this pressure on their shoulder or some kind of physical contact. Except for this guy, Rob, Rob comes to a lot of our stuff. Rob has never been touched or, I mean, not like, you know, when we tried the Lizboard yeah. and leg lift, it didn't work for him. So he goes into this closet and he can't feel any pressure on his shoulders or anything. And meanwhile, Christy's running Echo Box, And we're listening. She's doing it through the Estes, but she's the one that's just, you know. Yeah. And uh, it said, he asked, like, why they weren't touching him. And it said something like five feet. And so we figured out that it was basically saying it was too short because Rob is, like,
1: yeah, six is. foot something.
0: So they, they couldn't reach up to get onto his shoulders. So I thought that, that was kind of interesting. And then at one point, Christy, Christy just, blur- this was my, my favorite moment of the whole night. Christy just blurts out, happy birthday, coming from the Echo Vox. And immediately the question is, is it anybody's birthday here? And this, this woman, Kim, who came with her friend, Kristen, Kim says, well, it's not my birthday. My birthday was last month, but Kristen and I haven't seen each other. And so she brought me my gift today. So maybe, and as she's telling this story, Christy blurts out, Not from Walmart. And the two ladies just start laughing. And it takes them a couple minutes to stop laughing. It's like, what's so funny? Like, what's the thing? And Kim says, you know, a couple months ago, it was Kristen's birthday. And I bought her a gift that I tried to pass off as something that I got on Etsy. But I actually got it from Walmart. (laughs) So the ghost was blowing up her spot and ratting her out for (laughs) getting a Walmart present and trying to pass it off as being something homemade, handmade from somebody on Etsy. So I thought that that was just, it, it was like the perfect encapsulation of what we were dealing with there. You're dealing with more modern spirits, people who were alive in our time and have an understanding of the way we do things and kind of, um, that was odd. Something I missed. So I was, I was talking to you, I looked, we can see in the glass mirror behind Mo- Moniz is in front of the glass windows of the studio this would be better if we had spooky TV still. Yeah. But he's sitting with his back to the windows that look out to the parking lot. But because the lights are on inside, in we get the reflection.
1: Mirror, mirror effect. And
0: I can see the reflection of my office in there. And it was just, it looked like a person standing there in a blue and white checkered shirt with a pair of jeans on.
1: Um, I've been seeing somebody in the... Uh the studio
0: here. We, we know who's in there.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't say it anymore only because I'm just so used to seeing it.
0: Let me know if you can make out what he's wearing.
1: What the the thing in in yeah, the studio? The thing that
0: you see in there. White shirt. White yep. Th- mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Does that? It's yeah. It's okay. It's somebody that used to work here. Okay. Um, yeah. Everybody's everybody's been encountering him quite often, so it's. I'll, I'll get into that. I don't want to bring it onto the air. Uh, but, th- yeah, the, uh, this this wouldn't have been him that I saw because this was a, a like a blue and white flannel checkered shirt. Okay. Um, but still kind of interesting. Might have been maybe somebody was walking by and it just looked like it was in the reflection. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. Right. So we're dealing with modern spirits that have a better understanding. So if you get the chance to go to the Emory Estate and take part, we're, we're certainly going to be booking another event there in the spring because there were so many people that wanted to go to this one that couldn't. So we're going to book another one so that we can help them raise more money. But it is, it is a place worth checking out and you can go and see it for yourself without, without going inside, but it's actually in a park. So the 24 acres that the house sits on the family wanted to sell, they gave the town first crack at buying it when the last remaining Emory that lived there passed away. So the town bought it for, I think 1.9 or $1.6 million out of community preservation act funds. And the 24 acres around it has all been turned into a park. So people go and utilize that like you would a park yeah, or anything yeah. else. But then this house just happens to sit on top of the Hill in this park. It also has, there's a garage, there's a carriage house, which we got to go up into the carriage house and check that out. And then there's also a children's playhouse, the children's playhouse Monies, is the size of your house. Oh, <laughs> like that's, it's like the size of a regular, like two bedroom house here on the South coast. Like that is the size of this children's playhouse at the Emory estate, which right now they don't have access to. The town hasn't granted them access to go in there because it's in such bad shape, but maybe somewhere along the lines, if they keep renovating the property, they might be able to renovate that as well. Right. Gotcha. So it's, it's just an amazing place. And, And again, um, you can read my article at WBSM.com and on the app to find out a little bit more about it. But I just, I came away from that saying like, I I needed something, I needed something that would change because I've, I've been in kind of a ghost rut to some degree where I'm going out to, it's, it's it's almost like I'm, you know, sticks or journey going out, just doing the greatest. Maybe Journey's a bad idea because you know, their lead singer is going to be happy to have that job forever. So he's probably never going to lose the energy. But, um, or, you know, the journey cover band, as I like to call them.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, um, I, I think Steve Perry's been gone for
0: a long yeah, time. Yeah. It's been on Al for, for over 20 years yeah. now. But so the, so I'll, I'll use, you know, Sticks as an example. They don't come out with new music. They just go out every summer and they tour and they're just playing the greatest hits over and over again. And I feel like sometimes when I go to some of these places, That's what's happening. It's like, oh, is this the place where this happened? Yeah. Oh, let's go try it. And then, or if we go down to the basement, I know, well, this will happen and we'll see shadow people and this will happen. So I've been in kind of a little bit of a rut to some degree about trying to come up with new ideas and new things to do. And this kind of revitalized me to say that this is a a different type of spirit that I've encountered. This is a different type of approach to the investigation. And Christy did say like, she's like, this place will change you. And and it certainly did. So I'm I'm pretty excited uh, for going back there. Of course, you know we've got a couple of other well, things coming me up know before when that. But
1: do go back. I'd like to check it out.
0: Well, I think there's um, there's a bunch of stuff that they're doing throughout the course of the fall. Uh, so you might want to get over there and just see if you can, you know, on a night like maybe on a Friday night or something when they're doing something, see if you can head over there. Just because you got to see it now before they start making the changes and doing things. It's uh, it's pretty incredible. So, I wanted to talk about that, but I also had another article, which I, I sent to you the other day, and I said, this is something I want to discuss. I talked about it on, what day did I publish this? Wednesday. So, I talked about it all day Thursday on my morning show. And oh, the Chowder Fest? No, no. That was no, only wrong Monday. article. It was only Monday that I talked right. about Chowder Fest, um, which, by the way, Chowder Fest was awesome, and uh, the Silmo coffee syrup. As I wrote on social media, uh, Autocrat is now autocrap and an eclipse has been eclipsed. So my first shot at Silmo, it was uh it lived up to the hype. So I will I will get into this article in just a moment, but we have a, a phone call on the line. So let's take that really quickly. Um oh do 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 we dare? Good evening, you're on WBSM. Hello. Oh, sorry. There you are.
2: Hey, hey what's shaking, fella?
0: What's going on? What's hey, up, Playboy?
2: Hey, not much. I'm wearing I'm wearing blue and white myself, checkered shirt and blue jeans. So, S- is were you a-
0: actually projecting into the into the studio? I was trying to, but you know,
2: the black people got to get have problems going through customs and stuff like that. You know, I can't help that. It's a, it's a terrible thing. So, um, I want to see something. Okay, uh, you speak of journey. I just uh. Uh, this was like three days ago. I saw I, was over, I saw Stephen Perry's house. He's got a new song coming out. It's a Christmas ditty coming out around, coming out here. It's a new song. It sounds really good. Listen to it the one time I heard it, and it sounded really good. So it was inside the studio at his house. So I think that you he's talking about journey. That's that's a perfect example. There you go. And um, I think that's gonna be a good thing. to Listen, I think I think of a, I don't know if it's gonna be a whole album. I just know that single's coming out next month. So that'll be a good thing. All right. So you were t- I've got something I want you to watch. Uh, it's a it's a, there's a two piece two part video one's like 13 minutes and the other one's like uh, 10 minutes and what happens is there there was this kids in a car accident but so this the 16 year old kid was in the car he died he was laying there in the car you can see the kid and um, they, the, the, from the police, they have, you know, the cameras come up, the crime scene. You see the kid laying on the on the front seat dead. And, and there's a picture, you see his face, literally, his soul up above the car. And you see him, it's like he's screaming and saying, no! And you, see, and you see that. And, it, and he, they show a close-up of his face It looks like his face looks just like him. And you see in the second video, the second clip there is, there's like, a, that's 10 minutes. And you see it, it's like grandparents stuff that died prior to behind him, like you were waiting for him to come, and you see his dog that he had just died like two months prior to, like standing on the side of the side of the car. You can see it, his reflection like inside of, inside of the on the side, on the car door. So that'd be something to look at. Would you like me to send that to you? Sure, yeah. Okay, uh it's, it's a YouTube video. how am I gonna send it to the your email, but I don't know. S-
0: send it send uh, it to what? send it to Spooky Crew at spooky Then we'll all get it. I- so how about if I
2: All right, how about if I just, like, Put it on my 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 channel you just go see it on my channel. Sure. It's like, it's yep. Two videos. I do it like that. So how you doing, Matthew? How you doing, player? I'm doing all right,
1: player. How about yourself?
2: Living, loving, just trying to get something in the oven. Yeah, mm-hmm. doing what I gotta do. Mm-hmm. So are you guys planning on doing something like coming to Vegas? I know you were talking about like a uh, going out to up per- Yeah, Well, down to Peralta, you know, not that Vegas, but the, the best Vegas out here to, if you guys come out here I'll take you guys and show you where, um where uh Butch Cassidy is buried at. I I,
0: I I wish the midnight in the desert thing hadn't fallen apart because we had a plan of going out there and doing a conference and you know bringing everybody to Pahrump. but you know it's uh as 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 you know that didn't really work out that well.
2: And you were just so busy you didn't have much time for all the all the poor people, the lowly people and, and you know every day of the week. I said, hey he's Mr Popularity you know, so you got to do what you got to do. You know, you got to take care of your home area. Like I said, heaven forbid you'd be here in Vegas having too much fun.
1: Well, you're, you're out in Vegas. You know that these events happen out there. Why don't you champion for us to come out there and have them, you know, bring well, us out there?
2: I, I try to things, but what can I do when I try to call? And like, you know, one answer the phone during the week. Or like when I send emails, like no one like uh, returns my email or oh, my Gmail. I say you call
0: you call this number during the week. Sometimes you, you shouldn't do that. There's other shows that are on. They don't know what you call it to talk about. I, I talked to some dude, na- some dude named uh, Phil Pally. would be
1: a fun I to some
2: dude named Barry and some chick named Jessica. So, you, know, <laughs> you, know. you did you really? <laughs> yeah, they were like, "You are crazy, sir." I said, yes, I am. And I said, "I'm on fire." Like I said, so they were like, he, they were like really interesting people. I don't know. I, I got to go Jessica- back to their
0: podcast and listen to the Lamone with Barry Richard and <laughs> Lamone with Jessica Machado. Yeah, they were
2: all nice, they were nice people. But Jess, she felt like she wanted to fight somebody. Jessica felt like she, she was on one.
0: Yeah, that's kind of oh, that's kind of that's how she is. Well, maybe she needs to
2: fight somebody. You know, there's many people out there that like to fight. You know, so, you know, the fight doesn't mean you have to go to have to make people bleed. You know, you, can, you know knock people's teeth out or whatever or take their teeth out remember their their fake teeth I'm sure rich's got a few of those
0: I mean. well we're we're gonna um we're gonna have to move on to our topic of the night Lamont. before I do that I'm gonna ask you a question so sure. you you're you're pretty familiar out there with the with the uh Nevada ghosts and all of that so where yeah. where would you say Las Vegas ranks when it comes to ghosts in that state where would you say like you know on a on a one to ten rating where would you say that they rate number one number out? two number three
2: out of out of the cities and or towns in lost in Nevada, right? You yeah. Where we Well, it depends. But you want you talk about older things. You know, there's other places you can go. All like like up in Reno mm-hmm. or uh, uh, like up Tonopah. a great place up there. You go up there to to some of the things that are up there, like Tonopah with Gold, Gold, Goldfield. Yep. Uh, like I said, you know, a lot of people a lot of people are coming starting to come out of looking for like uh you know how like there's supposedly uh Butch Cassidy, for instance. He's supposed to be down. He's supposed to be down in South America. Remember, they spoke. They supposedly yeah. died, uh, so, but there, but he he lived until like I was in nineteen fifty something, like, 57, 53. and I know where he's buried at. Like said, so that would be something right there. I get, I can start charging uh, admission. Follow, follow with my nose, you know, you know. My nose always knows. Why is uh, so like the white walls? But like so you, if you come out there. It's in this old it's old cemetery too, and it's like. That's something, it's out there, out there in, in Denai County, out there not far from
0: Pahrump. So, yeah, so and, with all of that going on, I mean, what would you ooh. say is the number one most haunted place in, in Nevada? Well, let me, let, me, let me
2: point that out first, okay? The other stuff that's going on nowadays are other things that people brought with them. Okay, because I like the old stuff like the Indians, things like that, mm-hmm. back in northern Nevada. But this stuff that people are coming here from, like, uh, the Caribbean or, or South America, bringing their, their juju and, and hoodoo and whatnot with them. And down down in, like, in Louisiana, there's a lot of people bringing bad stuff here. Not stuff that's, like, you know, na- you know, that Native Americans are used to, you know, that they can handle. I'm they bring some of that dark stuff with them. And I'm darker than flavor slaves. I'm feeling dark like that. And seeing what they're doing, it's like... I, I see where people, literally, oh, I, you see where this guy, literally, I I got that on one of the on other phones, but you see this guy was walking, was walking by, and he was, and his, he looked at his face, his face was like, you see like two different faces over his face, on top of his, and it's like, you see those things like that, when you start seeing that, where it's literally, not just your, your mind's eye seeing it, but you can take a picture of it. That's stuff right there. I would like to. I'd like to say, as far as I've been, I've been up to Reno, or been up around those places. There's a lot of stuff there, um, Virgin 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 City up there. I'd, I'd like to say we're probably number three. the people out of places in Nevada, but as far as I've, I haven't been to all of those places. Now I haven't been to all of to see what all they have involved. And you know, I, I was case. I'd go up there and, and go see the go see the couple that you know that they used to be on uh, the Ghost Adventures that died. You know. You know, mm-hmm. they kill themselves. The double, yeah, the with uh, the voice yeah, the suicide.
1: murder yeah. suicide. Yeah, we yeah. knew them.
2: See that? Was, yeah, this was right there. I would go up there and see them. And that we've got stuff going on up there right now at the house where, where, where they, the murders were there, with murder and suicide. was. they've got literally see things, see it all see spirits running through there, and you can actually feel and see, um, hear the voices and stuff from there without having used recording. So that's just telling you how clear they've gone in, they've gotten gone over that way. And it's like I figure, you know, okay, I'm a ghost, okay, here I am, but I want to go and rest, okay? I'm tired of doing this. And, like, you know, some people, like, you want to have people come visit and whatnot, and, hey, that's my buddy, the ghostly. But, like I said, you know, when you when you go and die, you know, after you realize you take care of your family members and whatnot and you know, let them know you're here and you love them, and you want to get that rest, you know, you want to be with the big guy in the sky yeah and so and so many times people get stuck here you've got a certain period of time uh, after you die that that opening the door is opening that you that you can go leave i guess after the, shortly after the funeral then you can go ahead and go and, but a lot of people stay here you know it's like they get stuck and and that's the thing about it when they get stuck here they're stuck sure and they, they're 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 by themselves if you haven't learned how to handle the spirit you know um, work yourself, the power that you can learn how to, you know, make things move, what not um, in, your, in your your spirit form. And you got, you, that's, you know, you're going to have problems with other ones who are out there making things move and and making up, other things happen, making bad things happen. You know, you want to get that good stuff going on. And I said, I've seen, I know people that have stayed a little longer. And I'm just, for me personally, and like when if I'm going, I'm going to come visit you guys. You know, and hope my funeral will be like maybe two <laughs> weeks or whatever. But I want to come, like, what I wanted to do, I wanted to be stuffed, you know, when I die. And I want to have myself, like, sitting down to my arms, like, sit, like, sitting like I'm in a chair, and my back, is, and I don't have my arms out like this, so people come sit on my lap other kids come on oh, oh, with come yeah see i
0: have like, i have uh, uh, my my last request is that i want to be stuffed and put up against a pedestal like leaning up against it and have like a selfie station at my funeral for everybody to come up and like snap one last photo with me before they move on but it's a speak- like black
2: idea that at his funeral was at the at the club right yeah, yeah yeah speaking but of I moving to-
0: speaking of moving on I'm i got to gonna- hold you lemon because i got to get into the story before we run out of time this hour
2: but i wanted to spend spend a month at everybody's house you know i'll come visit you guys You're- me and matt go look pick up some hook- Chris, okay. Oh no. <laughs> All right. There we go. All
0: right. You have a good night, Lamone. <laughs> he, he he knew just where to take it. Yeah. Uh, so he's like, If I gotta go, I'm gonna go out with a bag. All right. Well, I don't I don't blame him. I don't blame him. You
1: know, it's one of those things. So
0: and, and of course that, that is probably what you would do anyway. So is it,
1: well, I'm gonna leave that, you know. But my for, for my funeral, it's I'm I just want it to be a traditional Viking funeral. You know, not in Massachusetts though. Take my body two miles out on sea. You can do whatever that uh, I want. Three, three miles. Okay, whatever.
0: But um, no. I I I looked into this. There are still certain restrictions. You can't set it on fire. If so I'm three, four miles
1: out, stop me.
0: I'm dead. I they, don't care. No, they don't. They don't want you to set it on fire because it, it it throws everybody off. But what you can do is you can just be thrown overboard. So there's no. I I did a whole article about this. (laughs) Okay. And when, so the way that it goes is that if you want to go out there and if you want to dispose of somebody's body legally, somebody that died, not somebody you killed. But if you like, you know, if, if I was to die today and you want to take me out and bury me at sea, if you go three miles out, and you just dump me overboard, you don't have to do anything. You can throw me as is right overboard. They do suggest that you probably should wrap the person in a cloth. Yeah, Yeah, you do have to weight them down. You do have to tie your weight down, because otherwise they'll just bob. But they they do ask that you maybe put a a shroud of some sort around them, uh, just because they don't want the sea life really picking at the body. So they want you to get down to the body before people start picking, you know, the body to get down to the bottom before all that. And um, the other thing is they do ask that you contact the EPA within, I think it's within 30 days of having let a body go just so that they know. And I think that that part of that is probably because in case something happens or the body washes up. Yeah. So you do have to tell the EPA within 30 days that you threw somebody overboard. But what they've done now is because like, so I die, I don't want to spend any money. I don't want you to have to spend any money. I say, just go take me out three miles and throw me overboard. So you go out there and you do that. And then but maybe you like you you ask a buddy, hey, you got a boat, right? Can we go take Tim out and throw him overboard? What if you don't have a boat? So then people were chartering boats to be able to go out and do this, and the boats came up with the idea. Well, hold on now, if they're chartering us to go and take these bodies out, we could start offering like packages.
1: And so they started
0: offering these like bereavement packages where it's like you go out there, they have a ceremony, they say a prayer, the captain says a prayer and blesses the body and all this kind of stuff. You throw them overboard and then they've got like a lunch spread out for you and all of that. Uh, there was one I heard about. I don't, I didn't find if this was true or not, but somebody told me that there is a a company that will take you out, let you throw the body over, and then when you come back, they'll take you on a whale watch. Okay. And I was like, well, there's two like really different things, but okay. Well, yeah, I can see that as being something, but it's a, it's a real thing. Now here's the, the catch to it. You know what? You can't take out three miles out and throw overboard.
1: Somebody living.
0: Well, yeah, that's probably a bad idea. <laughs> Pets. Okay. You can't take a, a dead pet out and bury them at sea. Nor can you take a dead pet and bury it with the person. So you know, let's just say I got into a car crash with my dog, and my dog and I both died. And you say we're going to take them both out and bury them at sea. It's legal to throw me overboard, three miles out. Has to be within three. But not Rover. But you can't throw the dog overboard. Okay. So just keep that in mind. And it's Ruby. You know that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, a very interesting story. Story I wrote a while back. Uh, And speaking of stories that I wrote, I do want to get into the story. Um, that was published the other day. And we'll we'll take phone calls about this on the other side of the news at 508-996-0500. And you can also send us app chat messages on the WBSM app. But let me give you a little background on how this came to be. We get a lot of emails here as content creators here at WBSM, the people who write all these articles, Fun 107, the people who write all these articles. We get a lot of emails from... Various different people and it's 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 constant. It's every day So articles that we've written five years ago, we're gonna get an email from somebody saying hey I really liked your story about this thing that happened five years ago Would you mind putting in a link to this site and it's because our content is so well received on the internet and you know Has such search engine optimization that people want to get links to their sites within our sites And so they're constantly asking things like that. Of course, we don't do it and so one of the things that has been happening lately is sports betting has been legalized in Massachusetts. Okay. So it hasn't gone into effect yet. But we're gonna have I think they they're saying at the as early as the the Super Bowl, so we're talking February of next year, they're gonna have sports betting in place in Massachusetts. So is it started after New Year's? Or uh yeah, it? I think so. Okay. So but I mean there's infrastructure that has to be yeah, built. That's definitely. why they're saying they think it'll be by February. So the websites that will be operating sports betting websites in Massachusetts are trying to get all of these links out there now to build up their presence so that when it launches, they're the first people that you see. So there's a website called betmassachusetts.com, and they've been putting out press releases about all these different little things, like innocuous little silly things, thinking that people might write a story about it and then put a link back, and and I did. I put a link in their story because I took information from their story and quoted them, and I put a back link so that, you know, it's it's all legitimate, and it's not just plagiarism or anything. So they, I get an email. I'm on the air the other day, and I get an email from betmassachusetts.com that says, New Bedford, Massachusetts ranks as, well, I don't even know if it was New Bedford, if it just said, what's the city's top? What's the top city in Massachusetts for a ghostly encounter? And New Bedford was ranked number two. Okay, I'm going to go through with you a little bit about why, how they they put together this this idea. So let me just give you the right off the bat the the key numbers. New Bedford ranks number two behind Lowell. Lowell was number one, but it was close. It was very close. And according to betmassachusetts.com. You have a 3.86% chance in New Bedford of coming face-to-face with a ghost. 3.8. Now, what is missing from this article is what qualifies as a ghostly experience. It also is missing the over and under, yeah. Are you talking about seeing something? Are you talking about having a door slam? Are you talking about feeling a cold spot? You know, as Mm. you know, like some of these things are easily explainable... And so how much and so who is verifying these claims so I had questions and and I I also realized at the same time shut up Tim's brain it's October <laughs> it's just a Three dumb times. fun story yeah like it's not a scientific study but at the same time I, I can't help it so I'm going through this whole thing and I'm realizing like okay some of this doesn't doesn't seem legitimate and the way that they pull all this together, Okay, is there's a website called ghostsofamerica.com. dot com, and this website chronicles and catalogs ghost reports. And what they did is they went through ghostsofamerica.com dot com and they counted how many reports there were from Massachusetts and how many for each city that was reported there. And they didn't get into towns; they just did like major metropolitan areas. I don't know what their cutoff was. That's also not in there. But they america dot com had Listed for Massachusetts, a total of 1,398 ghost reports. This site has been up for a long time because I I looked at this site when I was writing Ghosts of the South Coast Mm -hmm. in 2010. So this site has been up for at least 12 years. And out of all that, you've only had just under 1,400 ghost reports for all of Massachusetts. We've had 1,400 ghost reports just from phone calls over the last 12 years. So how is that any kind of... Accurate depiction And so then I started right. Diving into those so stories If you
1: think about it It's no different Than what you get From the UFO reports Right And yeah. which are basically
0: <laughs> Comprised from So it depends on Who's putting out The information right. But if it's The National UFO Reporting Center It's who reported It to the National UFO Reporting Center If it's MUFON That's the report It's who reported It to the MUFON. MUFON Right the, Now the advantage Of those two Organizations is They do a little bit Of cursory research Into the reports Right Before they put out Those numbers So they might not be, you know, out in the field investigating these claims for all of them. But they might say, let's just look and see if Starlink was over that area that night. So they do a little bit of digging. Yeah, a little due diligence. Yeah. This Ghosts of America site does not do any of that. It's basically just you go through a report and they 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 post it. it. And and it's user-generated content. So nobody's even looking at it to to clean it up or anything like that. And I went through those reports. And a lot of those were reports I remembered reading, like when I was writing Ghosts of the South Coast. And I, I cataloged some of them in the story that I have at WBSM.com and on the app. I made a gallery at the bottom of the story where I took some of the, the best ghost stories that I saw on there. And we'll share some of those coming up in the next hour. Um, but you can get ahead of it by checking out the story online. But the, the, the there was a lot of holes in the way that it was all put together. And so what I did is I reached out to a couple of local paranormal investigators. I talked to Luanne Jolly of Whaling City Ghosts. Mm -hmm. And I talked to Todd Sylvia of Relatively Paranormal, two New Bedford-based investigators who are out quite often investigating cases. I mean, uh, Luann probably doesn't get out nearly as much as she used to for this kind of stuff. Todd and his wife, Marissa, are out every weekend. And if they're not out doing something, you know, at a a famously haunted location, they are in the houses and the apartments of New Bedford helping residents. So I, I said these are two people that I think can really give insight as to how accurate this information might be. And not surprisingly, they both felt like New Bedford should probably be number one. So as I said, New Bedford is number two behind Lowell on a website that has had been collecting all of these stories for at least 12 years, maybe longer, probably longer. I just happened to access it in 2010. So they've, they already had reports built up there. So let's say maybe it was around since 2005, who knows? But I guess I could have gone and looked up all that data, but all of that time, couple of decades almost of having all these reports, how many New Bedford ghost reports do you think there were? If there's 1,398 total for the state. Uh, I'm going to guess 23. No, you're actually, actually you had the number that was for the number three, which was North Attleboro. North Attleboro came in third with 23. New Bedford had 54 ghost stories listed. Really? Lowell was number one with 59. So it was really only a five-story yeah. difference. And I don't think that they really went through, and they just counted how many posts there were. They didn't count if it was like this person was talking about it and this person was like, oh, yeah, I also experienced that. Like, And it was it's just counting them. Um, and I don't even know how accurate that counting was. But it was 54 ghost reports for... That long of a time period, we have definitely taken more than 54 ghost reports in that time.
1: Almost certainly. I mean, I've done probably since I've been working here with you guys 35, 40 on my own, you know. And, doing-
0: and, and I'll use Todd and Marissa as an example. If they're going out every weekend, let's just say, you know, they've been doing it for a couple of years, let's just say 40 of those every year are New Bedford based, yeah. or even 30. If they've done 30 for two years when they've been doing this for longer than two years, but I'm just using that as a number. If they did 30 in two years, they've already done more cases than what's listed on this site. It's a site that nobody's heard of. It's a site where people don't know to go there and make these reports. So it's not an accurate representation of where the reports are coming from. Even the Shadowlands probably would have been a better place to pull this information from. And that hasn't been updated in about 20 years. So including like, there's still bad information on that site that people are sending to them saying like, can you please fix this? And they just leave it up there and people still discover it and and tell those stories all those years later. But we got about 30 seconds before we're going to go to the news. When we come back on the other side, we will dive a little bit more into some of these stories, but I want to hear your phone calls because the reason why I'm bringing these up and sharing these stories is I want to see if it resonates with some of you, if you've had experiences in these same neighborhoods. Uh, We were getting some calls the other day when I was talking about this during the daytime show, and there were people that had encounters similar to this. So we'll talk about that when we come back right after the news here on Spooky South Coast on WBSM. Two of Spooky South Coast, Tim Weisberg here, alongside science advisor Matt Moniz, and we're gonna dive back into this article that we were talking about. And uh, again, it's at wbsm.com and on the app. If you can't find it there, uh, I think I put it on the Spooky page at wbsm.com. But if I didn't, you can just search for my name at the top where it says "Listen," and you can see all the articles that I've written. And we're gonna dive more into s- exactly some specifics. Uh, and some specific cases that were reported but before we do that uh, just a few things that we want to mention because it is spooky season and we've got a lot of things going on Moniz you have something that's going to be happening uh, coming up in Wareham at the end of the month yep
1: Uh, social harmony lodge in Wareham on route 6 and 28 on October 30th starting from 5 o'clock till about 7 o'clock it'll be True Ghost Stories of Southern New England with both myself and Andrew Lake. And there will be a a spaghetti dinner if you want to donate $10 for adults, $5 for children under 12, and the money all goes to, you know, help local uh, charities. It's sponsored by the local Masons there at the Social Harmony Lodge. There's also costume... Uh, contests and all of that prizes.
0: Yeah. I was, I was taking a look at it. So there's going to be, uh, for the, so the, it can be kids and adults that come in costume. Right. And, but don't, don't come in like, don't come in the sexy costumes.
1: Yeah. There's going to be kids there. There are going to be kids there. So, yeah, keep it toned down. And, um, it, it's free to go to lecture. Like I said, the, the money is a donation for the spaghetti dinner. And like I said, that goes to help local charities. So,
0: and, uh, so again, you can win a $15 gift card to Ryan family amusements for the, uh, best young man and best young ladies costume. And for the best adult or couple, a $50 gift card to cafe soleil and wear him, which is
1: beautiful. Oh yeah. Great, great place.
0: And that, and, um,
1: I'll be bringing in my little artifacts, so people can come and take pictures with you know pieces of Betty Hill's dress and various other things. There's also games and activities for the kids.
0: So the stories will the kids be sitting there listening to the stories?
1: Yes. So so Andy and I will have the projector going, and we'll be talking about all of the local haunts in Wareham, from Wareham to Fall River to parts of Rhode Island and so. If I'm going to give you, if I'm going
0: to give you the story to run a video for. Sure. I have to have it I have to have it be for kids. Because the story I'm going to tell there's the version I tell when there's kids in the crowd and then there's version that I tell when the kids aren't in the crowd. Uh I would keep it for kid friendly. Because and, and you know what I told the kid friendly version of it when I was speaking to the Girl Scouts last week and I still got some weird looks from the parents because I was talking about how the witches would ride the men of barnstable to their coven meetings and I, that's all that I said they would ride them like horses i didn't play it up like i do when i do for the adults when i say they would ride them they would ride them all night long they would you know like yeah. i so I, I i downplayed it but yeah so i'll uh, i'll keep it pg okay It would be
1: appreciated, and i'm sure the parents would appreciate it as well
0: mommy why was that guy on the video talking about witches riding guys like horses uh because that's what they used to do. They used to throw saddles on them and ride them like horses. Yeah, well, sounds sexual to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sorry, Sally. Uh, so, and, and of course, throughout the course of the month, I'll give you updates on all the places that I will be. Oh God. Uh, yeah, it's um, I'm 13 places in about 18 days, I think.
1: So we don't have a show for the next couple of
0: weeks coming No, up? no, no. It won't affect us here. No, okay. uh, in fact, we're planning on a Bridgewater Triangle investigation show. I was planning it for October 22nd so that we had a rain date okay. of October 29th. Okay. Um, but maybe we'll just schedule it for the 29th and take a chance. Who knows? We'll see what, what kind of response we get from the groups when I put it out this week. But that is the plan to well, try and do it on the 22nd. Well, we apparently
1: done it right now.
0: Right. <laughs> well, um, when I really start yeah. like reaching out and, and connecting with the, the regulars. Um, but yeah, so starting on the 11th, starting on Tuesday, I'm just going nonstop, including the week before Halloween, um, from the 24th through the 30th every single day. Hmm. And sometimes they're at night, sometimes they're at the daytime. Uh, but next week, if you want to come out and hang out with me next week, I will be at the West Bridgewater Public Library at 6.30 PM on Tuesday. And I'll be talking about Ghosts of the South Shore and Ghosts of the Bridgewater Triangle. So that'll all be kind of combined together into one presentation that'll be happening 6.30 on Tuesday at the West Bridgewater Public Library. And then on Wednesday, the 12th at 7 p.m., I will be at the Wareham Public Library. And uh, I forget what I'm talking about with that. I didn't put it here on the calendar, but uh, we'll be talking about a variety of different things in Wareham on Wednesday, the 12th. And then my next one after that, uh, the 19th, I'll be in Ashburnham. So I've got a wow. ride ahead of me. Uh, that will be um, on the 19th at 7 p.m. I'm sorry, six 6.30 p.m., 6.30. Then on the 20th, I'm doing a special presentation at Stone Path Malt in Wareham, which is uh, in the industrial park. It's I'm going to be telling ghost stories. And it, so it won't be like a regular presentation where I'm getting up there and like breaking down the paranormal and breaking down some of these legends. I'll just be telling ghost stories. And uh, during that, there'll be a buffet dinner. So they're charging people $25 to come in for that. And you can get the tickets from Stone Path Malt. But you're paying, again, like you're paying for the spaghetti dinner at your thing. You're paying for the buffet dinner with that. Uh, 21st, I'll be at the Katuit Public Library at 4 p.m. So 4 p.m. on a Friday. Uh, Then the 22nd, the Freetown Public Library is having me come in on Saturday the 22nd at 6.30 p.m. So I'll be coming here right from there. But it's not going to be at the library. It's going to be at the Freetown Police Department in their community room. Mm -hmm. So I had a special request, and hopefully they'll be able to make this happen. I said, if you want me to come and speak in the Freetown Police community room, I have one, you know, contract (laughs) rider requirement. And I want the Freetown Police to take their puckwudgie crossing sign and just put it in the room for the night so I can take some selfies with the puckwudgie crossing sign. So they're trying to make that happen. Uh, Also... The 24th, this is a couple here that are important for people that are listening all over the place. On the 24th, on Monday the 24th at 7 p.m., the Brockton Public Library is hosting me talking about the haunted history of Lizzie Borden. But that's via Zoom. So you can register from anywhere, but you have to pre-register. Go to the Brockton Public Library Facebook page or their website to pre-register. Same thing for the 25th. At 7 p.m., I'll be speaking for the New Bedford Public Library about the Bridgewater Triangle. That will be happening over Zoom, so you can go to their website and Facebook page to pre-register. The 26th, I will be in Acushnet at 6 p.m. I'll be talking about haunted objects. On the 27th, I'll be at the Elizabeth Tabor Library in Marion, and I'll be talking about the Bridgewater Triangle and other spooky legends. On Friday, the 28th, at 7.30, I will be at the Avon Public Library talking about Ghosts of the South Coast. On Saturday the 29th at 2 p.m., I will be in Attleboro at the Attleboro Public Library talking about the Bridgewater Triangle. And then on Sunday the 30th, I'll be talking uh, at the Duxbury Public Library, the Duxbury Free Library rather, uh, at 1 p.m., Talking about ghosts of the South Coast and the South Shore. And then on Halloween, Monday, the 31st, I will be passed out and I will wake up sometime around December. <laughs> so that's um that's my schedule. And it's gonna be quite the quite the time. I, I love getting out there, being able to talk to all the different people, and I love the fact that these libraries are not all jumping on the same Topic, so I get to, yeah, vary, get it to vary it up a little bit, and I, I don't have to do the same thing because, like I said, I don't I don't want to be out there doing all the greatest hits. Like yeah. I like playing the new stuff too, so I think it'll be uh, I think it'll be a lot of fun. So
1: all right, that sounds like you got your 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 month packed in. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, police has just kept asking, so I just right, kept just saying yes. Just keep going. Well, yeah. you kept saying yeah.
1: I, I've been busy as all get out as well. Uh, as you know, Tom Reed and I are working on something. The City of Roswell has commissioned us to do two events, so we're really moving forward with the um, UFO Expo. Well,
0: March comes quicker than you think.
1: Oh, how well I know. So if people want to check out, we just got the site up and going with, you can check out the guests and stuff, ufoexpo.com, ufoxpo.com.
0: Alright, so there you go. So we, you've got no reason not to come out and have some spooky fun now all the way through March. We've yep. got stuff going on. Uh, let's take a phone call here. 508-996-0. Oh.
1: What did you do?
0: It's Lamone calling back. Lamone uh, uh, one one call per show, Lamone. We we can't we can't do another fifteen minutes with you. We've got to get to the to these stories. Um if you want to call in though. I will uh, I will clear out Lamone at some point or he'll he'll hear us and say, "Okay, guys, I get it. Um, we still love you, Playa. We do, but we we've got to get to this stuff and, and and we can't we can't We got to pay the bills. We're supposed to just allow one phone call per show. Uh so If you want to call in during this discussion though, if you have some local ghost stories that you want to share, 508-996-0500, you can also if you download the WBSM app In the middle of the app screen, when you open it up, you'll see a bunch of different buttons. And one of those buttons is app chat. And if you press the app chat button, it will allow you to text us right here in the studio. And so if you can't call in and you want to text in, we can read your text uh, right here on the air. So let's get into some of these stories because some of them are pretty fascinating. Now, Just one thing that Moniz and I were talking about during the break that Mm -hmm. I want to make sure we mention. I gave you the top three. It was Lowell, New Bedford, and then North Attleboro was number three. Behind that was Ware and Chicopee were tied for fourth. Malden, Danvers, and Brockton tied for sixth. And then Whitman and Orange tied for ninth. So, you know, that gives you ten. That gives yeah. you the top ten. What's missing from there? Boston. You're missing Boston, the biggest city in the Commonwealth. Salem. Salem, the most haunted city in the Commonwealth by some people's uh, accounts. And you're missing Fall River. Yeah. Which you know has the most famous haunted location in Massachusetts, but I can almost see why Fall River wouldn't make it if all the reports are about like I went to the Lizzie Borden house and this yeah. happened. Like you're gonna count those all as one. So, but there there is a lot of stuff that happens in Fall River that isn't the Lizzie Borden house. Yeah, we know that for sure. So, and uh, you know, Quakerine Club and, comes to mind. You know, you know what else is is super haunted? It's right next to there, but it's it's actually over the border is Tiverton. Yeah. David has a Tiverton's lot of stories. has got a lot of
1: little things going on in there.
0: But let's, let's get into some of these stories. And I'm going to read you... Now, the, these stories are all cataloged at ghostsofamerica.com. And there's more details in my story at wbsm.com. But I'm going to just give you the, 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 the breakdown. So this person, MS, or Miss, uh, we'll call her Miss. She submitted a story when she was from around 14 years old. She skipped school in order to sneak into an abandoned home that at the time was located on the corner of State Street and Willis Street. Okay. So I'm, you know, picturing, picturing that in your head, the, I guess the, the abandoned house is gone now, but at a the time there was a, a, a vacant house there. And so she skipped school. Her friend was supposed to meet her there for the two of them to sneak into this house together, but her friend didn't show up. So she went into the house by herself first and she saw this big creepy old mirror hanging on the wall and she's waiting and waiting, and her friend doesn't come in. So she goes outside to the payphone across the street to call her friend to see where she is. So this must have been a long time ago. Right, because there was a payphone. And she says, as so as she's out there using the payphone, she's looking at the house. So she doesn't see anybody go into the house. She comes back into the house and there written on the wall. This is this, this is her exact quote. I saw something that looked like written on the mirror, looked like writing on the mirror that was definitely not there before. I got closer, and when I read it, it, I almost died. It said, school skipper, but written backwards in black. So it was like something wrote it from the other side of the mirror and knew that she was supposed to be at school. Now, I would have all kinds of follow-up questions, of course. Like, I would say, well, did your friend answer the phone when you called? Maybe your friend was already in the house, like, messing with you. But anyway, um, I'm not going to try to debunk these. I'm just going to let them live as spooky stories you're just relating
1: the story just a messenger
0: yeah uh this this was a person who lived on a second floor her name is Tamara. she lived on a second floor apartment on Tallman street and would frequently see shadow figures and this is one of her quotes i would always experience black shadows walking toward me in the middle of the night and i would see this girl with a skirt scary looking walking out of my closet And she said that uh, other accounts were that on on one-fourth of July, she was in her brother's room with him when every light shut off at the same time. They heard moving around and things moving, and then, boom, the lights turned back on. So she was just wondering if anybody else had ever experienced something like that on Tallman Street. Uh, This is a story that comes from the Presidential Heights Projects. This person grew up there in the 1950s and 60s. I don't even know if I know where Presidential Heights is. It's probably been renamed something else, I would think.
1: Uh, western part of the city, roughly central.
0: I, I guess it's close to Sacred Heart Cemetery. I don't know where that yep. is either. But this person says... This, this is this is a really freaky story. This comes from an anonymous. He says he grew up in the Presidential Heights section and that the place, quote, creeped the ever-loving heck out of him. He said the spirits would call his name from downstairs... At night, they would call my name from downstairs and tell me to come out and play with them, which he says, of course, he never did. He would yell down the stairs, who are you? But he would get no response. So when I heard this story, the first thing that I thought of is black eyed kids. Mm. You know, and, and w- when we talked about black eyed kids here with David Weatherly, we got a bunch of phone calls from people in the city that had experienced the black eyed kid phenomena. So this, this this goes back to the 50s and 60s, but perhaps this could have been a story like that
1: um not much, not as much black eyed kid reports anymore if you notice that was i,
0: like, I think um i think that uh i th- I, th- I do think that it they went from black
1: eyed kids to more slender man report they, as far as urbanish legendish. i'm so trying
0: every time i hear david on somebody else's show, he usually has fresh reports. To have happened, But I'm trying to think I'm if not like, saying
1: they've stopped I'm just saying they not as prevalent And
0: I'm trying to think Of when it might have Slowed down I'm trying to think Of like Did the pandemic Slow it down You know Did black eyed kid reports Slow down Because people weren't Likely uh, to open yeah, the door yeah, yeah. If somebody knocked At the door I I, I I don't know You would think People being at home more They would experience the more, more of the knocks. knocks Well so,
1: a lot of the Black eyed kid reports the
0: size of that Moth trying to get in here On that window it's The size of a small bird Yeah it
1: is A pretty good sized moth um, most we, of the we were just eye- talking
0: about Mothman during the break. Yeah, I know.
1: Well, as getting back to black-eyed kids, the one that I used to hear a lot uh, are them coming up to vehicles, mm-hmm. vehicle related. So mm-hmm. yeah, there were a number of them that still happened at people knocking on people's doors. But the most common reports were at vehicles. I'm surprised there a weren't a lot
0: of black-eyed kid reports at the beginning of the pandemic, knocking on people's doors and saying, "Do you have any toilet paper?" paper. Can you share some toilet paper? It's like, no, they weren't black-eyed kids. They were brown-eyed kids. They were just so full of... Because they couldn't... Anyway. um, So this story comes from uh, an anonymous person who lived in a haunted home on Purchase Street uh, from the ages of 6 to 10. Quote, almost on a nightly basis, either one of my siblings or I would be pulled under our beds by unseen hands. She said they would pull each other out when they would hear each other scream, Things would go flying and fall to the floor, broken, and they would hear voices coming from the second and the third floors, even though they lived on the first floor and they were the only family in the building. Uh, she shared a story that when her little sister was sleeping on the floor, a large mirror fell on her, but thankfully she only suffered some small cuts. She says she still drives by the home every day and it always gives her the chills. So that was on Purchase Street, which you know is a pretty long street. Yeah, I was kind of. So. Uh, I would I would guess probably. I mean, probably on the stretch, like where um GM Alvo's market is. Okay. You know, like along, along yeah. that stretch, I would guess. That's where the most residences seem to be. Uh let's see. This per the person who moved from the Purchase Street home thought that she was done with the paranormal and it turns out that the place that she lives in now is haunted. And she says shadow figures appeared. A few days after moving in, while I had gone to my room to grab something, I saw a black-hooded figure walking by outside my door. It was at least seven feet tall. She said it appeared to be walking back and forth from, from one room to another. Uh, she never saw that figure again, but she still had all kinds of activity happening in that home. So now now we get into something that's a little bit of a, an urban legend. That I, when I wrote about it in my book, and goes of the South Coast, I didn't really give it a lot of attention because I hadn't heard a lot about it. But since I put it in the book, I get a lot of people commenting on this when they read it. So I'll get an email from somebody that says, hey, I just bought your book at CVS or whatever. And I noticed there's one little part that you had about something, and it's something that I saw. And that is the Beast of Brooklawn Park. Huh. So... This story this is a, this story's kind of a bit of a precursor to the, the beast of Brooklawn Park. An anonymous poster shared a story about feeding the ducks at Brooklawn Park when the ducks suddenly began to act strangely and the person started getting goosebumps. This person then went back to their friends and uh, went back later on with their friends and mocked their experience. And as they were making jokes, they were saying things like, Oh, the ghost isn't coming. I think he's scared. And the person wrote, and that was a dumb move. Uh, Quote, we started hearing a loud laugh. It almost sounded evil. That's when we saw the black figure running through the park. And this was at about midnight. They saw the shadows appearing behind the trees, followed by that evil sounding laugh and that that black figure running through. So now we get into the actual reports of the beast of Brooklawn Park. It's a somewhat obscure legend that has come back to life in the Internet age. There was apparently a rash of sightings in the late 1960s of a half-man, half-beast creature with cloven-hooved feet. According to the stories, it will stop and stare at people before taking off again, shrieking a terrible high-pitched laugh the whole way. And this this account comes from 1968. The person says, it scared me clear out of my wits. I have never walked by there again alone. And if I drive by, I'm afraid to even look into the park. I mean, that's that's pretty intense and there was there were other people that reported encountering this thing as well i just kind of conglomerated it all into one story but this is something that you know i you don't hear people talking about this
1: well i remember hearing about eight what what was called a back then a spring-heeled jack type of mm-hmm. something in yeah in the in new bedford i didn't realize it was connected to brooklawn park now in the 80s i went to brooklawn park as a teenager and um, well, it was mainly during the day, but yeah, you know, uh, I don't recall any stories told by people then, but then I mean again, that, that might be Bro- Brooklyn Park back in the eighties was more taken over by you know gang bangers and drug
0: dealers, so yeah, I think maybe maybe we can go down there some night and see if we can call out this beast okay we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, this this story is called the Grinning Ghost Girl. Uh, JT lived on Milford Street. I don't know where that is. From ages six to eleven, and said that the home quote seemed a bit creepy from the very beginning. Almost every evening, I would hear little footsteps in the hall, and right next to my bed was a little girl staring at me and showing her teeth. And he said that this girl scared him a lot at first because he thought she was going to bite him, but after seeing her for many years. He realized that she was harmless and she was just smiling at him. Okay. Still, still pretty, pretty creepy either way. Uh, Nicole submitted that she was living in a house, a haunted house, on Nye Street. She recounted a young girl of about six or seven coming into her daughter's room at night, just staring at her, not saying a word. She also described lights going off and on on their own, hearing the switch physically move when that happens. And as you know, you know a lot of times like we will get lights that will flicker on and off. But it's it's a whole different level of activity if the actual switches are moving.
1: Well, depends upon. The, remember the old Sam West house? Yep, yep. Uh, up on the third floor, those lights worked by pull chain. Mm-hmm. And Andy and I were up there at one particular time. Where he had he had one of his um, psychic friends, and we were there. Ms. Cleo? And, no.
0: Well, okay. okay. Not from the Psychic Friends Network. No. Uh,
1: One of his friends that was a psychic and or medium from 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 Rhode Island. Uh, I'll just (laughs) leave that alone. (laughs) But getting back to the... There there were the pull chains and we were in one room and this psychic was talking to Andy in the doorway. All of a sudden, I had my camera in there and I recorded this. The whole pull chain came down, turned the light on and off as she was standing there in the room.
0: Well, I was going to say that it's it's different activity between when the lights flicker and when the f- light switches flicker because no, the whole you can right. See no, anything. I know what you're I know what you're talking about, but I'm saying like just going to this person's point of seeing those switches move. If so, if something, if you see the lights flickering, I would assume that that's something drawing the that energy, energy correct. as opposed to physically manipulating the switches or, in that case, physically manipulating the pull chains. So, you're dealing with something that's not necessarily drawing in that energy as much as it is trying to show off what yeah. it can do, yeah, which is a little bit freakier. And, and so, Nicole's story uh, continues other experiences. Include feeling breath on her face and neck when no one is there Seeing a bedroom doorknob turn on its own Followed by banging on the door and hearing their names called out She said it's not just her apartment either As the neighbors in the same building also reported having paranormal activity And uh, And she said that you know she wanted to move out of there But she couldn't afford to And her, her quote was, there is evil here So I don't know if that's necessarily evil From what she's describing But it certainly is concerning uh, this story comes from Spruce Street. Uh, it's a scary being who is seen coming out of a brown house on Spruce Street. Spruce Street is I'm not sure. Uh, so this is what he wrote. it is somewhat demonic. I think it is a demon. Other people have seen it too. It has large shiny eyes and a spike on its mouth. That seems like a very odd description. He said, it only comes out at night and it comes from that haunted brown house. He says, I did some research and found out that the house used to be used as a pizza factory and someone went crazy there and killed their boss. I think this is the spirit of the killer. It doesn't do anything harmful though. It just appears and vanishes. Weird. And I was thinking in my head like, Maybe he saw like an actual person coming out of this place at night. You know, somebody who was Mm -hmm. going in and out at night for whatever reason. And that this person might have had shiny looking eyes and might have had like a pierced lip or something. But to say that they've got like a shiny eyes and a spiked mouth, like it just seems really, really freaky. Uh, But that's on Spruce Street at apparently an old pizza factory. Now, some of these stories... You listen to them and you're like, okay, well, things like lights turning on and off and doorknobs moving and knocking on the doors, that's kind of, and this sounds weird whenever you're talking about the paranormal, but it sounds mundane. It sounds like it's stuff that would happen any place where there's a haunting, but you're just a little bit more afraid of it because you're a little bit more afraid of what you don't understand. This is the one of the few stories where it actually sounds like something that comes out of a horror movie. Two, that's the name that was listed, has lived in the same house on Pope Street for more than 40 years and said creepy stuff has always happened there. In the middle of the night, around 1 in the morning, blood just starts running down the wall in my daughter's room. Oh. That's Two funny. wrote, noting the little girl sees a young boy sitting with her just staring at her. Two said he and his wife also have seen their closet door knob turn and heard banging on the door, sounds like the previous story, only to open it and find nobody inside. But... There's a big escalation in activity between having a doorknob shaking and a bang on the door and blood running down the walls. Yeah. Uh, Let's go to the phones. 508-996-0500. You're on Spooky South Coast.
3: Yes. I had a little experience on 54 Spruce Street. Okay. uh, Which is in the West End. Um, Well. I had a friend that lived at 54. Now, I was wide awake. This was broad daylight. I didn't see anything. I heard. I went up to her house to go visit her, and I walked into the yard, and I yelled her name. I said, Joyce, are you there? And something said, no, she's not here. Okay. I (laughs) said, oh, Masha, is that you, her daughter? Uh, It didn't answer me. Then I went I turned around and heard her husband was coming in the yard. I said, Oh, I said, Joyce is not home. I said, What's Marsha is Marsha upstairs? He went upstairs and looked, there was nobody there. But I heard that loud and clear. Mm. She's not here. And this was like maybe around noontime, broad daylight. I mean I wasn't imagining, it, I heard it. And there was experiences in that house. Our third floor of that house was an attic and it was converted over to they made it like an apartment up there. And my friend lived there with her two daughters, and she made them their own little apartment upstairs with a parlor and two bedrooms. There was a cubby in the wall, and in that cubby hole there was a, a crib, an old old crib That's um, pretty. supposedly I guess a baby died in that, and they stuck it in there and they buried it they stuck it into the wall and okay, so what they did was they opened up the door thing they undid it so they could open get in there. And he took the crib and he went down to the water and threw the crib in the water. And when he threw it in the water, it like bubbles and foamed and it went down. It came back up two or three times before it finally went down.
0: Mm. So this was this was something that was in the wall, not like behind the door. So this was something that they, they stuck behind the wall hoping nobody would find it.
3: Yeah. Well, there was a door to it. It was like a cubby. Like a little cubby car. Okay, so, I, I, but it was it was, really it, was, it was, it was, it was it was one that you would, it. yeah, you
0: would have a door to open it, so you would be able to access it.
3: Yeah, but it was sealed, so nobody could get in there, and they undid it.
0: And no, they no, hopefully no signs of, a, no signs of any bones or anything. No. Okay.
3: No, no, but there was rumors that, you know. And then, like, um, my daughter, when her daughter got married, my daughter was one of the bridesmaids, and the night before, they all slipped over to help the bride get dressed and everything. And they had headphones on listening to music, and then somebody said something, and they all stopped, and there was a voice coming through the headphones, and nobody was talking. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, let me ask you a question, since you're you're familiar with, with the area. Do you know anything about an old pizza factory being there? Uh,
3: that would have been way before my time.
0: Yeah, it seems yeah, odd. I could
3: think of, unless it's on the corner of Spruce and uh, thing where the old um, onboard building was which is now its ten apartment's up there. It's the corner of Spruce, and I forgot what the other street is that runs the other way. Um, It might have been maybe over there because I know that's an old building.
0: Well, um, I'll, the, I'll have the street to... The isn't very big. Yeah, I'll have to dig in a little bit more into that and see if I can't find out exactly what that might be talking about.
3: Yeah, because I, I don't know where that would have been. I know the 54 Spruce at one time, I was told that that had been owned by a funeral parlor person.
1: We no, that, no that.
0: That, can, that can make sense, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Like Sam Westhouse was a former, uh, basically, funeral parlor. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing with us.
3: But, no, Okay, but like I said, Spruce Street is not very long. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: No, <laughs> no. It know. doesn't go very And I, I think I know exactly what you're talking about now when you describe that neighborhood, yeah.
3: Yeah, it goes between North Street and...
1: It's like three or four blocks long.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Right. Correct. Yeah. It starts. It starts at North. Yeah. It's matter of fact. You know where the Elks Club is.
1: Yeah, I know where you're talking about now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All
3: right. It's right, kind of. If you walk through the parking lot of the Elks Club and go straight across, that's North Street right there. I mean, that's uh, Spruce Street.
1: Yeah. Okay. Because I
3: lived at six, and then I moved to fifty-four. All right. All right. Well, thank you for the call. All righty. Have a good night. You too. Bye bye.
1: And. Sorry, go ahead, Maurice. Well, I was going to say, one of our listeners, and he can probably call in and verify this for me, uh, John uh, in New Bedford, his, his old house on Bay Street uh, was haunted. By, it's an old sea captain's home, and he used to tell me about personal encounters, and if he wants to call in and talk about that on his own, I'll let him do it, but I've been to that house, and yeah, it is an older house. There's plenty of them around there. And when my parents owned a uh, business in New Bedford, they had an office on Orchard Street. And it was right right at the very end of Orchard Street where it meets, you know, the where the old Vogue uh, school is. And that building was definitely haunted. I think the Sheriff's Department has it now. But, you know, yeah, New Bedford's got a lot of haunted places in there. And, well, of course, the Ash Street Jail.
0: Right. There was just a sad story that came out of there this week where, I mean, I guess not sad when you consider what the person was accused of, but there was a, there was a suicide at the jail this week. Okay. A man from Truro who allegedly set his mother on fire and killed her. Oh. They took him to Barnstable, uh, they took him to Cape Cod Hospital rather, and uh, he, they determined that he wasn't a danger to himself, that he wasn't suicidal, and so uh, I guess they tried to send him to Bridgewater- and Bridgewater wouldn't take them because they didn't say that he was mm-hmm. suicidal or that he had mental issues. And I mean, he set his mother on fire, so it should have been obvious. He was brought to Ash Street Jail, and, and he killed himself by shoving toilet paper up his nostrils and then taking a bunch of wadded-up wet toilet paper and swallowing it to block his airway. Oh, wow. Brutal, yeah. Anyway, um, this story is a little bit of a strange one. Uh, Butch and his wife rented a house on County Street. But, quote, we didn't stay long when we realized something very evil was there. It started with my wife waking me up and telling me to listen to her pillow. I put my head to her pillow and could distinctly hear several whispering voices. They moved out the next day. Hmm. So whispering voices coming out of the pillow. Now, obviously, immediately, I want to try to figure this out. One of the first things that comes into my mind... And it doesn't happen nearly as much anymore because we changed the technology that we used. But do you remember back in the day of metal fillings in your yes. teeth when people would actually pull in radio signals on their on their teeth? But you wouldn't necessarily hear the voices. You would just get, like, vibrations. Right. But this is voices coming well, out of the pillow. D-
1: well, that's due to what's called a harmonic resonance in an electromagnetic field. That there is a science behind why people mm-hmm. that would be, would have that happen. Um, but that is kind of creepy.
0: I mean, I got metal fillings as a, as a kid. I had a metal filling and, um, I was always like super nervous. Like whenever we were like near like a big antenna, I was like, is this thing going to start rattling in my head? But from my understanding, it would only really happen like when they were new until they had kind of like settled into the tooth and then it wouldn't happen as much. But still, you know, the, the stories kind of freaked me out a little bit. Oh yeah.
1: Lucio balls, um, talking about it, picking up supposedly Japanese radio signals during World War II. I mean, but getting back to haunted places in New Bedford, okay, a couple of, we'll call them public places, the Wamsutta Club. Mm -hmm. I I knew a guy that lived there, and he definitely described to me uh, things that would happen in there. This is back in the 80s when I was young and green and looking for things back then that would go bump in the night. And another place that I found is right across the street, is the Masonic building, actually, that's right. a- across the street from
0: that. There's, um, of course, the Siemens Bethel story, yeah. the story of the uh, the um, priest that supposedly hung themselves yeah. in there. Um, where else in New Bed? Well, the Zyterian has stories, but the Zyterian denies it. Well, plenty of
1: places deny it, and, uh, and of course, you know the place that made famous in New Bedford being the, you know, the Armory.
0: Right. Do you remember when we went to the Zitarian to see Weird Al? Yeah, that and, was actually
1: a really good show.
0: And we asked if we could go into yeah, the booth and uh, see the look for the ghost, and they told us no. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we used to do that a lot. We'd be like, yeah. hey, we hear there's a ghost here. Can we check it out? They're like, no. no. Now, like, we say that. We're like, oh, we hear there's a ghost. they like, oh, yeah, come on up. Yeah, that'll be 50 bucks. Um, because people have realized, like, it's a, it, it, there's a good money to be had there. All right, this story here, this is the last story that I have from this list of stories that came from ghostofamerica.com. Apparently, there's a lot of stories about the businesses on King's Highway having hauntings associated with them. Um, Going back to, you know, the old uh, flagship cinema that was there, um, the blockbuster video that used to be over there. uh, Some of these, you know, the buildings that are still there now, um, there was a story up on the site about expressions, having stories happen. And this story comes from Savers. Antique shared a story from when he and his wife were shopping at the Savers store there. He said, as he waited for his wife, he watched as a quote, well-dressed lady who looked like a normal customer walked in the entrance. The first weird thing I noticed is she went right into the fitting room, despite not having anything to try on. He said, she then came out of the fitting room and out the exit, which is where he and his wife were headed at the time. My wife suddenly said, where did she go? I asked my wife, where did who go? And she said, the lady that was right in front of me. They couldn't find her in the parking lot either. I asked my wife what the lady looked like, and our descriptions of her were exact, so I know that neither of us imagined this lady. She was actually there, and then suddenly vanished. And what I find interesting about this story is, first of all, you know, I'm not... I'm, not, I'm never really convinced when it's a story like that that they actually saw a ghost. They might have seen a person come bombing in, go into the fitting room because they tried something on, they left something in there. Yep. And they, I left my and then, phone. Yeah, and then they just left quickly again. Yeah. So maybe they jumped into somebody's car because they were waiting for them because they were just running in. Who knows? But the other side of that, too, is Savers can be a creepy-ass place because you've got all of these things that are being donated to Savers from... Everybody's homes. Like antique shops. How many antique shops
1: have we heard about haunting things? Like, and you wrote the book, Haunted Objects. Hello.
0: And you're dealing with, though, you're dealing with things that are a lot of times because, so an antique thing, you know, a lot of time with antiques, antique dealers go out and buy those things to put into their stores. Right. Or people come in to have them appraised and the dealer buys them and puts them in there. Savers is
1: a, like a yard sale where you just dump stuff off.
0: And Savers is a lot of time because somebody died. And you're clearing out the house and getting rid of their stuff, and so you're bringing all this stuff down to savers. And they're, you know, it's not like they have, uh, they don't have somebody in the back that's spiritually cleansing all these items. I don't. Sometimes they don't even have people that are actually cleansing the items, but they, <laughs> they don't have like somebody like going over there and like you know uh, removing yeah, I- spirit attachments from these things. So it's quite possible that everything that's in that store could be haunted, could have some sort of spirit attachment to it. And that's it's the risk that you take. I wrote when I wrote on Haunted Objects, there was a story about a a thrift store where there was an umbrella that was haunted that came from a thrift store, not from an antique store, not from this was just something like they went into there and there was an umbrella and they're like, Oh, I need an umbrella, I'm gonna buy that. And like so those kind of things you've gotta be careful. I love a great deal, but I also know that sometimes when I get that great deal, there might be a reason why it's a great deal. So Something to keep in mind. Uh, These were just some of the stories that I found on ghostsofamerica.com. Certainly not enough to... Listen, I'd like to say that New Bedford should be number one for ghost stories. I don't know if that's necessarily true. I don't know if New Bedford is number one for us to encounter a ghost because there's too much repressed acceptance... Of the mm. fact that these ghosts are around us here well, You and I were talking about a little bit during the yeah. news The cultural, cultural divides are yeah. still out there And certain cultures that are present in New Bedford Don't want to talk about these things uh, In certain belief systems It's, well, it's I considered see, evil
1: I can definitely say from being Portuguese ancestry myself You know, that that's a topic that's taboo In mm-hmm. pretty much the Portuguese community You're in, Or most of your... Auto- We'll call it Orthodox Christianish type of belief system.
0: There's there's such an, a, a variety of different cultures in the city, right? That there's a variety of different approaches to how to handle some of this. And it's interesting because generationally, certain parts of the city were for certain cultures. So you had like the Polish section of the North End, you had the Italian, Italian section city. of the North End, Portuguese folks in the South End, you had like these different yeah, areas
1: enclaves of, yeah,
0: that were like, you know, um, um, ethnic neighborhoods.
1: Right. Mm. Um, Jewish community in the West and in the Central part. But you had, but you, had you know.
0: It's um, not yeah. like that anymore. Like now there's a lot of, there's there's still some pockets of that, but now people are living wherever they can live. And so you're getting, you might have a family that was of a certain belief set that lived in a building for 50 years. They move out. Now another family comes in with a whole different belief system. And so you're seeing a lot more varied of that, a lot more mixing. I, I, I don't know if there's going to be More reports that come into the site. I don't know if anybody still reports anything to ghostofamerica.com. But certainly, if you have these experiences, we want to hear about them. You can always call in here during the show at 508-996-0500. But you can also send us those app chat messages on the WBSM app. Just make sure when you select what show you want to send it to that you select Spooky South Coast or send it to the Tim Weisberg Show, one of the two. Because if you start sending it to the other hosts, they're going to be like, what, what, what? Why are you sending me ghost stories? Uh, and then you can also send them to us via email, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. That is the way to uh, send us email. SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. We had some random firings off of some, uh, some spots there, so I apologize for that. Um, I want to figure out this week why that happens, because I clear those all out before we start the show, and then they just re- put them back into the system, which I don't think is anything paranormal. We don't have Keith Johnson come back in and bless the computer. It's just the way that the program is set up. So I apologize if it cut out for you on the app. It's not haunted. It's just windows. No, this is, this is a completely different program, but this is, this is far better. It's so much harder for spirits to enter, enter this computer and, and screw it up. Now there's firewalls against the ghosts as opposed to that old system where it really was possessed. (laughs) And if anybody's never heard that episode of the show, we literally opened the show one time with Keith Johnson blessing the computer in this in this and blessing the entire studio because of all the things that used to go haywire during the show. Didn't happen during the other shows that were on the air. Just there. And it so it could have been two things. It could have been. That the studio was haunted and that we've opened the door up and, and created a portal for these spirits and entities to come in and affect us or we don't know what we're doing. But it's probably the first one more than the second one. Well, it's probably the second one too. Yeah. Uh, but that'll do it for this week's show. Uh, again, we'll be back next week. We'll be back throughout October. Uh, November 5th, we will not have a show. I'll be at um, the, uh, the Wayside Inn in Sudbury. Uh, but we will be... Here all throughout the rest of the month, we're going to be having our annual Bridgewater Triangle Investigation Show on the 22nd of October with a rain date of the 29th of October. If you are part of a local paranormal group that would like to take part, shoot me an email, Tim at or Tim at WBSM.com, either one. We'll start setting all that up and we'll get those locations picked out. We'll figure out where people are going to go still might even see if we can't be out in the triangle somewhere. I mean, Moniz usually goes out, but see if we can have kind of home base for the show, be actually out in the triangle, Uh, be out there amongst the groups that will be investigating and calling in with reports of all the things that are going on out in the triangle that night. So again, if you want to take part, Tim at com or Tim at WBSM.com, email me. Let me know that you are interested in taking part. We'll start putting people together. If you're an independent, investigator and you don't have a group that you belong to and you reach out to me, we're going to put you with somebody else because we want everybody to be in groups and be safe. If you are a person that has never done this before but wants to do it, I can't always guarantee you that somebody's willing to take you on, but you can reach out to me and try and we'll see if some of the groups are willing to take a newbie out. Generally, it's a bad idea for this type of investigation because of all the dangers around just being out there in the triangle. But uh, we'll talk about all that coming up in the future and we'll talk with you more next week. Until then, Stay spectacular.